creativity. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you are a terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, yes, guess who's back in captivity? And remember, I told you so. You heard it here first. You heard it on a podcast, a previous podcast, you heard back in October. You heard it on, uh, saw it on my blog. You would have read it on my tweets. I was all over the place with this, and I'm talking about Joshua Boyle. He is the husband of the couple who was rescued from Afghanistan from being in captivity uh, with the Taliban, or kept in captivity by the Taliban. Yes, indeed. Joshua Boyle, I tried to warn you all. I told you that this guy was dangerous. Did anyone listen? <laughs> no, in fact, he, he even got to meet um, Prime Minister Trudeau and took his whole family with him. And now, of course, in the media, Trudeau is being, <laughs> he's being, um, what's the expression, run over the coals or whatever, <laughs> cooked over the coals, um, because he welcomed Joshua Boyle into uh, his, his office, um, into, his, uh, into an intimate gathering. Well, um, I'm going to, first of all, well, all right, I'll give you the punchline, and then I'm going to remind you of who Joshua Boyle is in a little more detail, and why it was clear from the beginning that he was a bad man. Uh, Joshua Boyle is being charged with, um, he was arrested on New Year's Day, he's being charged with assault, several, sorry, 15, well, first of all, 15 criminal charges. And they include assault, sexual assault, forcible confinement, drugging uh, with a noxious substance, which they mean they're referring to trazodone, which is an antidepressant. I guess that fits under the noxious substance category in Canada. Um, uttering death threats and misleading police. And uh, this, the misleading police had to do with his telling police that there was someone who um, was missing and suicidal, which probably was his wife. Uh -huh. And um, there are, we're not, they're not telling who the victims are, although there is some speculation, there are two victims, and there is some speculation that one of them is his wife. And I would say, <laughs> I would say that is pretty uh, likely because one of the things that I try to warn everyone about uh, especially the Canadian uh, officials, you know, that, who just let them return to Canada and um, just develop, you know, settle into a so-called normal life. Uh, so one of the things that I picked up from the reports about them, uh, and especially his interviews, and then the wife find, ending up in a hospital for still a mysterious reason, um, there's, I have no question that one of these, the victims was his wife. She's a, she presents herself as a um, battered wife. He was obviously controlling, and I will tell you more about that. But one of the things I just want to mention, uh, in case you haven't heard very much about this, it is you're not alone because um, it is amazing how, although it's somewhat prevalent in the Canadian uh, media, especially now that they're, <laughs> that they're jumping on top of Prime Minister Trudeau, 
it's you know that he he lives in Canada. Oh, I should have said that since since you may not have have known that um, because the American media is keeping this all a secret. And one of the reasons is because I think is because uh, America is embarrassed that we spent money and risked lives to rescue this couple from captivity in Afghanistan, where they had been held captive for five years. And now it's turning out that he is a bad guy. And I think that there is some egg on some people's faces. So let me um, start back at the beginning, though, and give you sort of a bring you up to date with who these people are and why I thought that, uh, you know, he was a very mysterious, dangerous man. First of all, Joshua Boyle is 34. He is married to Caitlin Coleman, who's 31. They have three children, two boys and one girl. Um, one of the children were born in captivity because when they went to Afghanistan, Caitlin was pregnant. Now, uh, if you have any doubts about whether Joshua is a controlling, uh, abusive man, the idea that he would bring his five-month pregnant wife, convince her to go with him to Afghanistan, of all places, one of the most dangerous places in the world, uh, five months pregnant, that kind of tells the story. So he's obviously controlling. Um, he, has, he also has a very interesting and suspicious history in regard to terrorism. Uh, and so his, his quest or his uh, brilliant idea to go to Afghanistan seems like it may well have been motivated by his desire to have some kind of closer connection to the Taliban and terrorists. Um, he first was married to a woman whose brother was in Guantanamo. The brother's name was Omar Qadar. You may have heard of him. Um, he was put in Guantanamo because he killed a U.S. Army sergeant in a fight between the Taliban and the U.S., and not that long ago, the reason why he was in the news was because Canada paid him $8 million, paid this brother, this brother of uh, the woman who Joshua Boyle first married, um, because, as restitution for being in Guantanamo, because um, he was a young man who was a teenager when this happened. And so he you know, filed a lawsuit against the Canadian government that he should be... Um, reimbursed for all these years and he tried to say that he was innocent and all of that. Um, so uh, Joshua Boyle met this woman because he was trying to help Omar Qadar. He got on that bandwagon and um, he and, and she and that was her brother. So he, there are varying reports about how he got close to her, but the sort of a believable one, the most believable one is that when there were um, uh, court hearings, he was coming to the court hearings and he uh, sort of ingratiated himself to her and her family and told her that he wanted to write a book about the family and ultimately they got married. So, um, They left for uh, Afghanistan on, in, on July 4th, 2012, 
and um, they they um, got captured soon after they arrived in Afghanistan. But there's a there's a, a an interesting article, interesting reports about him. You know, more is coming out about him now, uh, now that he's been charged with all these uh, crimes. And Canada apparently has a, a law that they can't reveal the, the victims of these crimes. Now, his wife, as I said, was 31, so it's not that she's a minor, but, um, you know, it's, it's unclear whether the, the other person who he sexually assaulted was a minor, or it's just that that's the law that no victim, regardless of their age, uh, is supposed to be named to the media um, if it's a victim of a sexual assault. So, um, he, his life, um, it, you know, he, he started out having, I mean, his life has been interesting all the way around. Um, he, he's the son of a, of a judge. His father was a tax lawyer, a long, a long time tax lawyer with a leading law firm and was appointed to be a judge in a tax court in Canada. And um, he was homeschooled, and um, well, um, I just want to mention something about getting back to his first wife, uh, Zainab Kadar. Um, she once lived before she married him, obviously, um, while she was in the Middle East. Um, she once lived in Osama bin Laden's compound in, wait for it. Afghanistan. <laughs> now, think that's a coincidence? I don't think so. Um, so, as I was trying to say, so he he was born, you know, to to a to presumably to a judge of all things. I mean, yes, one could sort of speculate that maybe his father was too uh, too um, authoritarian, and he has been rebelling, and that's why becoming a terrorist seems so appealing to him. He was homeschooled until he went to high school. Um, the, he's, was, they have photos of him in the yearbook from high school. He had what's called unfashionably long hair and a reserved smile. Some of the classmates described him as quiet and creative with good grades. Uh, he, the, the quote that he chose for his, um, for his yearbook, 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 Book. When I was young, I discovered I was neither God nor Satan. I was so disappointed in myself, I never bothered to narrow it down any further. <sighs> that kind of, uh, that should have rang some bells or red flags or something, that there may be something, uh, a screw loose, or I should be more clinical, that there may be... <laughs> There may be some psychological, deep psychological problems that he is suffering from. Other people described him as passionate about causes. Um, there's another friend who said that he met him in 2002 through an online, online gaming forum and that after the 9-11 attacks, um, he had become, Boyle, Joshua Boyle, had become interested in extremists. And he is particularly, he wanted people to understand them. He also was known by people who uh, knew him to thumb his nose at authority. There, there's, um, there comes the father's judge influence. 
Now, this same Star Wars gaming forum caused him to meet Caitlin Coleman. And it was the Jedi Council Forum, and this was in 2000. And that was his primary social outlet because he wasn't very uh, social. You know, they, they, they supposedly had much in common. She was also re reared, grew up in a small community, and she was also homeschooled. And they were both considered nerds into Star Wars, computer games, and science fiction. And um, interestingly, he used on this forum, he used the name Jedi Warrior, which is not too unlike being a terrorist warrior. And um, he went to college. He went to the liberal uh, studies. He did liberal studies at the University of Waterloo. And um, then he, so he, he met his first wife. And soon after he, he and his first wife were divorced, the marriage lasted a very short time. Um, and he, right after that, it was like a, a rebound relationship. He reconnected with Caitlin and he needed, um, even people, family or friends say that his first wife, he wanted a wife who was more subservient to him. And Caitlin, who had grown up in this more, um, you know, who was a nerd also, who had grown up in, in homeschooled, um, more protected environment and so on, to her, he was really exciting. And, um, and, and she, you know, she was a willing participant. I don't think she probably had too many boyfriends before him. And she was uh, clearly someone who was going to be more subservient than his first wife, who knew Osama bin Laden. Um, what else? She talks about when, she, when um, Caitlin came to Canada to... Um, to be with him, she talked about, uh, she said, she posted, I'm not running away from my life here in the States, but I recognize life is guiding me in a new direction. <laughs> she, she didn't know how true that was going to be. She said, for the first time in a very humdrum life, the winds of change have been blowing. I am not about to stand against them. And so she came to Canada in 2007. She joined him in his small, unkempt apartment, which she called Josh's Cage. There are pictures of it, and it looks pretty disgusting. And she spent her time during the first week cleaning and scrubbing and, and just, you know, trying to make the place livable. So um, now in the meantime, um, Boyle was developing this obsession with uh, Kadar, with this brother, and it was the it was the Toronto 18 case that was when um, uh, Joshua Boyle came to the court and when he met um, his first wife because she came had come back to Canada, and he was arriving to support the families of the accused, you know, including. Um, uh, no, well he, well, he was there because he was just super interested in terrorism by that point and by Kadar. And, the, and um, the, his soon-to-be wife was there, coming there because she was uh, coming to support the accused families in this Toronto case. The Toronto uh, 18 case was a case of uh, terrorists, a terrorist plot that was foiled at the last minute. 
and they did sweeping police raids in June 2006. They nabbed 18 people who were planning a spectacular terrorist attack or attacks. They were going to detonate truck bombs, shoot into crowds, storm the parliament buildings, and behead Prime Minister Stephen Harper. And ironically, um, one of the people who have endorsed my book is Mubeen Sheikh, who was who was who had been a former sort of almost terrorist, and um, he was the one who spied on the group and helped the government break this terrorist plot. And I'm honored to have him as one of the people on the back cover of my book, my new book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. He is one of the people with uh, an endorsement on the back which I am honored to have. So getting back to Joshua Boyle, so that's where he met the woman who became his first wife, who was connected to Osama bin Laden. And um, then he, um, he, that's when he was ingratiating himself with her and so on and ultimately married her. I know I'm kind of skipping around here because there are just so many interesting facts. It's like, um, and then he came into the public, he came to public attention because um, in 2009, even though before that um, his connection to the woman who then became his wife wasn't particularly known, in 2009 there was a uh, break-in and a shooting at the home of Joshua Boyle's parents. And they discovered that what was stolen were the Qadar documents that um, the, the Qadar family had, or particularly the woman, uh, the sister of the terrorist, had given to Boyle for his book. So then he became of interest in the media, and people started paying attention to him. And also in 2009, he told people, or the media, uh, he said, I love research. Anything related to terrorism on Wikipedia, I wrote pretty much. Um, so, um, so then their marriage, his first, his marriage to this terrorist woman <laughs> ended uh, after 18 months. And that's when he wanted a more subservient wife. They filed for divorce in 2010. It was granted in 2011. That's when he rekindled his relationship, or before that, actually, he had rekindled his relationship with Caitlin. And, um, you know, when he saw the marriage was going downhill, that uh, that wife wasn't going to be as subservient. And he got Caitlin to come with him to Afghanistan. And you know that, you know, he's accused the Taliban or the, um, the kidnappers there of uh, abusing and raping Caitlin. It's so, so interesting. Here he made a big deal about how the um, Taliban raped Caitlin and how they caused her to have an abortion of like their fourth child, a child that would have been their fourth child. Um, uh, they caused an abortion, he, they claim, or he claims. And, um, and now, of course, look, he's being accused of sexual assault. Um, so who do you think raped Caitlin? Not that she couldn't have been raped by more than one person, and certainly not that it is beyond uh, the pale to believe that a Taliban kidnapper would have raped her as well. Um, but there were, before they went to Afghanistan, when he and Caitlin were married, and um, they lived in a small town in Canada, and he worked at this petty, well, I shouldn't, he worked at this job, you know, sort of a, 
a very um, low-key kind of job at a place called Thing 5. It was a call center where he was fielding hotel reservation requests. I mean, can you imagine him working in that kind of a job? Here he longed for adventure, and, um, it, you know, he was kind of stuck in a very sort of humdrum job. Now, these co-workers that he had there said that he had converted or was converting to Islam. And in fact, they sort of have tattled on him <laughs> that he kept a prayer rug rolled up in the basement of the call center where he worked. And um, he was given special breaks uh, to pray at the times that he was supposed to pray. You know, here he was trying to deny that he his trip to, the, to Afghanistan had anything to do with his... Um, having Islamic extremist leanings or, you know, wanting to be, meet them or anything like that. And then, of course, it's come out that he, was, he had uh, converted to Islam. Not that there's anything wrong with believing in Islam, but when you, when you, when you take a trip to Afghanistan and end up being so-called kidna so kidnapped, um, you know, you do have to investigate this further. And when, the, when they left... And um, the, Joshua Boyle's father sent a U-Haul truck to upload his belongings that they had left in Canada. They found interesting and unusual items like medical forceps, chains, and leather straps. Dot, dot, dum. <laughs> um, do, does anyone say um, sexual, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like... Um, Oh, what's the movie? <laughs> the popular movie that's out, you know, it's um, uh, uh, being a dominant, you know, a, a submissive and a dominant. Um, I think we're going to find out all kinds of interesting things when that trial uh, comes about. So first they went to some other countries and then they, um, near Russia, and then they, you know, made their way to Afghanistan. And they met someone who um, is a British backpacker and adventurer, and an adventurer. His name is Richard Cronin. And he met uh, the two, the couple, um, in a country near Russia. And, and um, he wrote that this, um, this Richard Cronin wrote in his blog that Boyle was comparing his opportunity, you know, going to Afghanistan, to Lawrence of Arabia and the British explorer Richard Burton, who was famous for traveling to Mecca in disguise when Europeans were forbidden to visit. So what does that tell you? He's, you know, he's comparing himself to this guy who's in disguise. I mean, clearly it's, it's saying he, he's hiding something. He is in some kind of disguise. I and mean, not necessarily, uh, I don't mean like he's in a Halloween costume, but he's, he's keeping his secret plans secret. Um, then, then they were, they were, um, the, his last communication with his family was in an email on October 8th, 2012. Then there were some videos that their families were shown 2013 and so on, asking for help, asking to be rescued. And then, uh, there was one in 2016, two videos that were posted to YouTube and they were urging all governments to work together to secure their freedom. And he's refusing when he, um, when he came back, he refused to say whether he had converted to Islam. However, his wife was still wearing Islamic clothes. Um, and um, 
he you know denied that he had made friends with his captors he said i was really willing to kill them you know he's he's talking a good game but he was also giving very uh, conflicting reports and um they, they, when they came back, they were living in his parents' home in Canada. And then he said he had to leave them, his parents' small home because it was intolerable. Here he had just been captive, held captive for five years in caves in Afghanistan. And he's saying that his parents' home was intolerable. Now, how bad could it be? Okay, it's a small home, but how bad could it be? His father was a judge. And, I mean, you know, clearly it was intolerable because of his relationship with his parents. Which probably, who probably didn't approve of some of the things that he was doing or did after he left the home that he's being charged with. Um, now, here, oh, this is the, this is, I love this part. Um, he, you know, remember, I said when he, when this whole thing first happened, when they first, yes, I'm tooting my own horn because, you know, um, when they first came back and I was talking about how he was so controlling and he was a, an abusive husband and so on. Um, th now things are coming out that they, that are supporting that. Um, for example, when they were being interviewed by the media in this particular media outlet, he refused to leave the room while his wife was speaking. And at one point he chastised her for answering a question. He said, check with me before you say any of that on the recording. You know, he was keeping his wife silent. At first, he wasn't letting her say anything. Of course, he still has kept her silent in the hospital. In fact, when she went to the hospital, he's the one who wrote an email to uh, a news outlet to let them know that she was there because he did, so I, how, they, um, how he got them or the government got them or somebody got them to keep quiet what she was in the hospital for. I mean, yes, they probably have something um, similar to what America has in terms of HIPAA, you know, nurses and doctors and medical professionals aren't uh, supposed to talk about patients, give uh, personal information about patients. But you, you would imagine that with all the people who would have known that his wife was in that hospital, it is amazing that it still hasn't come out um, as to what she was in there for. And I propose that she was in there for something that was the result of his abuse, whether it was the sexual abuse or whether he beat her up or whatever it was, um, some kind of uh, physical problem related to his abuse. Um, he, they met with Trudeau on December 19th. And then, you know, two weeks later, uh, New Year's Day is when they were arrested, when he was arrested uh, for all these charges, which, as I said, puts egg on Trudeau's face as well. So, so what we, why is this important? Well, it's important because, um, and this kind of goes with so much of other things that I have talked about on this podcast, not this podcast, but the terrorist therapist show, the, 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 all the different, or most of the, uh, of the episodes of the podcast, um, berating our government, their government, berating, I usually, it's usually authorities, um, you know, because it's not our government in terms of um, specific people in our, I mean, that's the thing, it's always what the authorities say, whether it's the police, um, you know, in Canada or the U.S. or where, and also I talk about, not just confined to Canada and the U.S., but also like in Germany, in France, whenever, although it's sort of, it's better in Europe than it is in America, um, in terms of 
the first thing that the authorities come out and say is there's no evidence that this is a terrorist attack, whatever the thing was that happened. And, you know, I rail against that because I, there needs to be more transparency and there needs to be more, I don't know that I want to say suspiciousness, but, I mean, here is a guy who was obsessed with this terrorist, this Canadian terrorist, Kadar, um, who uh, extorted $8 million from the Canadian government and that that's how he met his wife, who was, um, in fact, um, Osama bin Laden attended one of her weddings and her father, I left out, her father was uh, really, you know, he was also, he was the, the main one who was connected to Osama. And I mean, so all of these connections to Osama and, and that didn't raise enough eyebrows when he first got back to Canada. I mean, he should never have been allowed to be, to, to be in his parents' home or any home. He should have, unless the government was very carefully and unbeknownst to him, and hopefully they were, and maybe that's how they got all these charges. I would like to believe that. But um, so I hope that they were surreptitiously keeping him, keeping them, his family, uh, under investigation, particularly maybe when she wound up in the hospital with some kind of bizarre uh, medical, it was an emergency, by the way, in the middle of the night. Um, so my, my bottom line here is that um, we need to, I mean, yes, we want to keep our personal freedoms, but if there are all these red flags pointing to someone being a wannabe terrorist, then the authorities need to pay more attention. And, you know, actually, um, I take back what I was, some of what I was saying in regard to them watching him, because if they were watching him closely enough, they certainly wouldn't have let him uh, sexually assault or in any way assault whoever the victim or victims were that he was assaulting. I mean, yes, given that one of them was his wife, they, you know, they might not have been within his home, but, um, but surely if they had been watching him closely from the beginning, because these were crimes that were committed from the time that he got back to the time that he was arrested, so from October until um, July, January 1st. And clearly, if they had been spying on him closely enough, these, these crimes wouldn't have happened. So shame on you, Canadian authorities, for, um, and, and Prime Minister Trudeau, you know, having inviting him in, his whole family, I mean, really, um, there should well have, you should well have paid more attention to these red flags that were raising, waving in your face. Well, um, that's all for today. And not that, I don't think that that's all for this, uh, for this soap opera. So I will talk more about, I think there's going to be more interesting stuff coming about, out about Joshua Boyle and his family. And I will be happy to put my put them on my couch again and give you my analysis of what the hell is going on. <laughs> so in the end, I want to be sure to tell you to go to my website for more information. I'm kind of up, um, up doing that. Oh, I also want to mention, um, I am going to be going to London coming up soon. I will give you more information about that. Um, I'm my book, that lions and tigers and terrorists, oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror, the first and only book about terrorism for kids and their parents and teachers, has just won um, an award at, in the children's category of the London Book Festival. 
And so I'm going to be going to London soon to um, receive my award, to do some book signings and readings, and to be at a terrorism conference. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I'll have a lot to tell you about that when I come back. So again, my, my uh, website is terroristtherapist.com, www.terroristtherapist.com. And the books, the publisher's website for the book, which you can get in uh, bookstores, brick and mortar bookstores, online, Barnes and Noble, all wherever books are sold, but also from the publisher's website, which is terrorismforkids.com www.terrorism, the number four, kids.com. So thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.